Today's message was recorded for Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. The title of the message is God Has Not Forgotten You. Good evening, church family. The title for my message tonight is God Has Not Forgotten You. You know, we all go through difficult trials and testing. Some right now in our church are going through uh, just incredible battles with sickness. Uh, others are going through just incredible battles of perhaps loneliness, uh, feeling like they've been forgotten, wondering where where is God? And so it, with that title in mind, God has not forgotten you, I have some questions to open up this lesson here. Uh, some questions here. Has God forgotten his promises? What should we do when we feel forgotten? You know, that's not something that we talk about often as believers, but it is a, a common experience that people do go through prayerfully. It's not the majority of the time, but sometimes people feel forgotten. Uh, What do we do when we cannot see God's hand at work in our lives? Does it mean that we have done something wrong? I cannot answer these questions exhaustively, but uh, these are questions that come to mind that I do know that believers struggle with from time to time. God's word has so much to say about these dark valley experiences. I wish that I could say that the Christian walk was simply walking from mountaintop to mountaintop But yet, I think if all of us were honest, we would say, well, we do get from mountaintop to mountaintop, but yet often between those mountaintops uh, can be some dark valleys that we go through. So uh, what does the Bible have to say? What does scripture have to say about this? Is this a common experience that the people of God go through? Again, as I said earlier, prayerfully, it's not the norm that you go through every single day of your life. But I think if we look through the scriptures, we will see that it is quite common for people to ask God questions, especially when they're going through times of loneliness or physical suffering. Uh, They have great questions. Uh, Maybe they just have a lot of memories that they keep going through in their minds over and over again, or they're going through a battle that they just can't seem to get through. And so I'd like us to turn tonight to begin with in Psalms chapter 13. It was a a psalm written by King David. And he begins in Psalm chapter 13, verse 1. Again, you'll have to turn there. I don't have it on the screen for you, for those of you who are watching. But I'll go ahead and read it here. King David wrote, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? That's quite a a poignant question. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Uh, This is not a question from somebody who is just a selfish person, uh, who's having a, a temper tantrum, so to say, who's trying to nitpick and, and get his own way. David knew what it meant to follow after the Lord, but he also knew what it meant to experience incredible adversity and trials in his life. And he's asking a very honest question of God there. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You know, to have God's face uh, towards you meant that his favor was towards you. If God was to turn his face on his people, that would be the most horrible thing that we could experience. If you're in a relationship with somebody else, when their face is towards you, that means that they are favorable towards you. They are in friendship with you. They are for you, not against you. In the same way, we want God's face to shine upon us. And David knew what that meant, and he experienced God's face shining upon him, as I pray that each of you have as well. And uh, But David was asking God an honest question here, saying, Lord, how long, though, will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? David was experiencing something very difficult here. He was asking God an honest question again. How long will I have this sorrow in my heart daily. I looked up the Hebrew dictionary for that word sorrow, 
And the primary meaning is mental troubling resulting from affliction. You know, when we go through afflictions and trials, whether physical ailments or relational issues that are going on, we can ask God that gut-wrenching question, Lord, how long will I have this sorrow, this, this anguish in my heart? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? He goes on to say in verse 3, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. David is pleading with the Lord, pleading with him, asking, saying, Lord, please hear me. Please listen to me. Bring back the the light in my eyes, so to say, because if my eyes are darkened, that means I have no understanding. But when God enlightens our eyes, he brings understanding, triumph, victory. He goes on to bring a resolution to his heart, though, in response to his questions that have not yet been answered. He determines in his heart in verse 5 to say this. He goes on to say, But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Isn't that wonderful that David, I'm so glad that he was honest enough to write about the experiences that he was going through to begin with and asking God, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He asked the Lord in verse 3 to please hear my prayers, enlighten my eyes, because if you do not, I will sleep the sleep of death. But he goes on to resolve in his faith and his heart. He says, but I have trusted in your mercy. I want to encourage you, church, and trust in the mercy of God. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him, to those who reverence him. David goes on to say as well, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I think about that as I hear that my heart rejoicing in God's salvation. Often when we think about salvation, we think about salvation from sin, which if it was simply that, that would be enough to rejoice in. But God's salvation, it begins from the moment that we repent of our sins and confess him as our Lord and Savior. But there is a coming a day of the consummation of our salvation when that trumpet shall sound when Jesus Christ comes back for his own. What a glorious day that will be when these bodies that we live in will be glorified to be just like his wonderful body. That's how we can rejoice, knowing that Jesus, uh, what I am experiencing today is not the final say. It's not all that I'm going to experience, but these trials will come to an end. Therefore, I will rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he has dealt bountifully with me. Could I encourage you to consider how God has dealt bountifully with you as his people? Even if you're going through a difficult time right now, if we consider the years of old, if we consider how God has dealt with us in the years past, we have so much to be thankful for. Another psalm I would like us to turn to tonight is found in the book of Psalms chapter 77. This is a psalm of Asaph. Psalms chapter 77, verse 1. I'll give you a short time to get there. But this is written by somebody who as well was experiencing a very difficult time. He says in verse 1, I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. This is the picture of somebody who's praying not just as morning prayers, but he's praying through the night because he's going through something difficult. 
He says, my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. That verse there, verse four, I think, is a verse that many of us could relate to these past couple of months or for those who've been going through an even lengthier trial. David was saying, or the Psalm, Asaph was saying that, God, you hold my eyelids open. I pray morning, noon, and at night. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. He says, I go on verse five to say, I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I will meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. Verse seven, will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercy, Selah? Here again, Asaph is asking God some very strong questions. He's not ignoring them. He's not passing by them. He doesn't stuff his his, uh, difficulties and just pretend that he's not going through a difficult time. Again, I am always for walking in faith, and I would want to remind us in verse 3, when he says that I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed, uh, there is a time it's not good to always think about the bad that's going on. But in our relationship with God, uh, when you feel like, God, have you forgotten me? Um, Just to ask God these questions, Lord, will you cast off forever? Will you be favorable no more? I think that for those of you who know scripture, and if you don't yet, if you're new to the faith, I want to encourage you to read the story of God from Genesis to Revelation to see his incredible faithfulness to his people in good times and bad times, that we will see that his mercies have not ceased. His promises will not fail. He goes on to say in verse 10, And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. There's a transition here that takes place in verse 10. From 7 to 9, he's asking God these troubling questions. In verse 3, he's complaining to God and his soul is his spirit is overwhelmed. But he transitions in verse 10. He makes a resolution to say, in spite of the anguish that he is going through, he says, I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. If you're at God's right hand, again, that is a place of favor. That is a place of blessing. Verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Verse 12, I will also meditate of your work and talk of your deeds. When you're going through great difficulties, that is a time for us to remember the years of being at the right hand of the Lord, to remember the times of being in his favor, in his blessing, to know that you are his child. He has not abandoned you. Meditate upon the works of God. Talk about the deeds of the Lord and what he has done. Verse 3, Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared strength among the people. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. I want to encourage you, meditate, think about, talk about, remember the years of the right hand of the Most High, that God is with you. Somebody else who should never have felt forgotten by God, 
but yet he identifies with us completely as Jesus. When he went to the cross, shortly before he breathed his last breath, he, he cried out to God a psalm found in Psalms chapter 22, verse 1. He said, and I'm going to read it here, Psalm 22, verse 1, and tell me if you can remember it. It says here, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and am not silent. Here David penned that psalm, but that was the very psalm that Jesus was speaking on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? You know, we have several friends in our church, as I said at the beginning. They're going through great trials, some going through sicknesses. And it is a very lonely time for some people. They, they cry out to the Lord, they pray, and they're seeking him the best that they know how to. And they're wondering, God, have I done something wrong? I just want to tell you uh, on the authority of Scripture that no, you haven't done something wrong, that no, God has not forsaken you or abandoned you. You are walking through an experience that is very common to the people of God. It's not because he's being mean or cruel, vindictive. He's not trying to get you for something that you have done. No, we live in a fallen and a broken world. We live in a world that is still filled with sin. But Jesus, he identifies with you, and he knows exactly what you and I are going through. I think about the people of God who had spent nearly 400 years in Egypt. And when God was ready to deliver them, in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, it says this, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out. Listen to this. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. He had respect unto them. Isn't that wonderful that God, he heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant. Does God hear your groaning? Does he remember his promises for you and I? Absolutely. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I looked up that word in the Hebrew dictionary for oppression, and it means this, misery, affliction, suffering, a state of hardship or trouble. Does God see our misery, our affliction, our suffering? Absolutely. He said of the children of Israel in verse 7 of chapter 3 in Exodus, I have surely seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. And God says the same thing to us as well. He can see the oppression that we go through. He goes on to say, And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Isn't that beautiful that God heard their cry? And then there he goes on to say that I know, just not on a, a casual acquaintance, but God knew he was intimately acquainted with their sorrows. That word for sorrows in the Hebrew dictionary, it also means physical pain of the body, anguish, grief, mental suffering. God was intimately acquainted with the physical pain that they were going through. They were serving in slavery in Egypt, serving underneath hard taskmasters. 
being separated from family, being treated cruelly, unjustly. They had no medical care in those days. They weren't being fed good provisions. Imagine the suffering that they were going through, not just in the body, but the anguish, the mental suffering that they were going through. And God said that he heard their cry and he knew their sorrows. And therefore, he came down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I don't know why God allows his people to go through sufferings. I don't know why he allows us to go through difficult times. Why do we feel like we're forgotten at times? Uh, Why does he allow it? I think sometimes it's too simplistic to simply say, well, it's all the devil. He's just simply doing it. Well, yes, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give life and life more abundantly. But I'm not quite so sure that there's an answer in this lifetime for why. We may not have an answer for why, but one thing that we do know is our life is in the hand of the Good Shepherd. Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, He said, For I reckon, I consider, that the sufferings of this present time, they are not worth being compared to the glory which will be revealed in us. Do the people of God go through sufferings? Does it feel like at times that he has forgotten us and forsaken us? Absolutely. But Paul the Apostle, who was very acquainted with suffering, mental anguish, being treated harshly, unfairly, being chased from town to town, never knowing if who he was talking to was a true brother or sister. Paul went through incredible suffering in body, in his spirit, in his mind, and he came to this conclusion that in view of what God has planned for his people, it doesn't minimize the sufferings that we go through, but he just came to the conclusion that I am convinced that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that God has prepared for his people And so in view of that, we ought to take time to consider and meditate about the plan of God that what we go through here, it is not in vain. There is an eternal reward, an eternal inheritance for all that we go through in this life. Jesus said, blessed are you when men shall persecute you, revile you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Do you see the combination there that we look at what we go through and there are some terrible things that the people of God go through, some terrible injustices, that the people of God are not fixated with seeking to get everything, uh, all the wrongs righted here in this world. We do what we can, but no, I realize that Jesus, there is a rich reward for those who serve you. So therefore, in view of of all of our friends uh, and church family and And others who may be watching that you may not be a part of our church family here in a local area. But for anybody watching or listening and and you go through suffering, perhaps suffering in your body, perhaps just mental suffering and anguish. And you just are tormented and plagued with questions saying, God, where are you? I want us to remember some of God's wonderful promises to his people that just reminds us that he will not forget his people. In Genesis 28, 15 Jacob, upon leaving home, he is running for, running for his life to save his life, running away from his brother Esau, who wants to kill him, that God makes this promise to Jacob in Genesis twenty-eight fifteen. God says to him, Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, 
for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you. That promise was given to Jacob, and I believe that promise is for us as well. For we are all children of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. God says that he is with you. He will keep you wherever you go. He will bring you back to his land of promise. Whatever God has promised for you, he'll bring you back to it. For he has determined to never forsake you or leave you until he accomplishes that which he has spoken to you. God has promises for you, my friend. Some of you, God has prophesied over your life. He has given you promises over many years. And God wants you to hold on to those promises, knowing that he will not leave you until he's finished doing what he's promised. And by the way, even after he's finished doing what he's promised in your life, he's never going to forsake you forever and ever. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, Moses was exhorting Joshua. He says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. God is the one who is going before you. Even though you're walking in the midst of great difficulty, great trouble, even though you're walking through the midst of sickness, God is the one who goes before you. He will not leave you, nor forsake you. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22, after the people of God had asked for a king, it was a wicked thing because they had rejected God from being their king, and they had chosen King Saul to be their king. But in view of their sin and their wickedness and what they had done, Samuel exhorts the people of God, and he makes this promise to them from the Lord to the people of Israel. He says in verse 22 of 1 Samuel chapter 12, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. I want to read that one for you again. You need to hear this. There's somebody out there that needs to hear this. For the Lord will not forsake his people. Perhaps you have sinned. Perhaps you have done something bad and horrible, and you're, you're just wrestling with condemnation and shame, and you're wondering, God, are you going to give up on me? Have I just blown it? Have I gone too far? Uh, have your mercy ceased forever towards me? Will you be gracious to me no more? Here the children of Israel earlier had rejected God from being their king, but yet God wasn't about ready to give up on them. If they would turn to the Lord with all their heart, begin to serve him, here was this promise to them, and here's his promise to you. If you've blown it, if you've sinned, of course, we repent of that sin. We forsake it. We do a 180 and we say, Lord, I abandoned that thing and I want to begin to follow after you. Here's God's promise to you. You are one of his people. He says, for the Lord will not forsake his people. For his, why? For his great namesake. And also because it has pleased the Lord to make you one of his people. Some of you feel like you're on the outside. You feel like you don't belong. And God wants you to know that it has pleased him to make you a part of his family. He loves you so very much. Psalms 37 verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. Why? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Getting back to verse 24, though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. I don't know why the Lord allows the righteous to fall, why he allows us to trip up from time to time. 
Why don't we receive greater warnings? Perhaps we do uh, when there's trouble ahead so that way we could avoid the trouble. But, you know, it is true that the righteous fall, but God's word to them is they shall not utterly be cast down. Why? Because the Lord upholds him with his hand. Verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. David's testimony to the Lord was that he had been young and now is old, yet he had never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. God has not forsaken you. Hold on to that promise that, Lord, though I fall, I shall not utterly be cast down. Why? Because you uphold me with your mighty hand. Isaiah 41.10, just a few more tonight. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Don't be dismayed. You know, when we see all that has happened in this world, it would be enough to cause the, the, those of us who are closest to the Lord or anybody just to be dismayed, troubled, wondering, God, where are you? God's word is, fear not. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Why? For he is our God. He goes on to say, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Hallelujah. Hold on to that promise that he is your God. He will strengthen you and help you. And God upholds you with his righteous right hand. In Isaiah 44, verse 21, it says, Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel, and you will not be forgotten by me. God was here assuring the children of Israel and Judah that he would not be forgotten, that they would not be forgotten by their God. He goes on to say in verse 22, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. You know, there's somebody listening or watching that I said just a few moments ago, you're wrestling with condemnation, shame, guilt, and perhaps you've even prayed the prayer of confession. You've confessed that sin. You've done everything that you know how to do, but you're struggling to receive the forgiveness of God I want you to hear Isaiah 44, 21 and 22 again for you, that God is saying, remember, you are my servant. I have formed you. You will not be forgotten by me. God will not forget you. He goes on to reaffirm his forgiveness that he has blotted out like a thick cloud their transgressions. He is like a cloud. He has blotted out their sins. Therefore, return to the Lord. Why? Because he has redeemed you. So for that one who is struggling to receive that forgiveness, you need to hear the word of the Lord. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes your transgressions from, from you. He doesn't want you to walk through all of life carrying those burdens upon yourself. No, he wants you to walk in the liberty and the freedom as a child of the king. Uh, next in Isaiah 49, verse 14 through 16, But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. 
People may forget us. People will let us down. All of us at one time or another, we can look at man and we can say, you know what, vain is the help of man. But we shouldn't cave into pessimism and just being all down in the dumps over that. No, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, We may forget those that we're supposed to remember and to love and to pray for, but God's word to us is, you know what? People may forget, but God will not forget us. He has inscribed us on the palm of his hand. My last scripture for tonight is found in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 through 6. It says, let our conduct, the way we live, be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for God himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do unto me. Even when you feel alone, forsaken, or forgotten, God is with you. He sees your affliction. He knows your sorrows. He is deeply acquainted with the mental anguish and grief that you go through. I just want to encourage you. We're going to close in prayer for some friends of ours. I'm going to mention some names. And if I, if I don't mention your name and seemingly have forgotten to mention you, please know God doesn't forget you. But I want us to pray for June and Tom and Christy, Barb, Robert and Charlotte, Hallie, Rosie, uh, Don and Cheryl, Connie and Bill. There's another Connie that we're going to pray for. Linda and Maggie, Sharon and Leah. And why don't you just go ahead and include your name on there. But each of these are going through some pretty severe trials right now. And I want them to be reminded of the, of the promises of God. God hasn't forgotten you. He loves you with an everlasting love. What we are going through today, it's not our situation, our lot for all eternity. These passing afflictions, these momentary afflictions are working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. But as I lift up these names in prayer, and you just include yourself in these names, and I just want God's promises and His Word just to bring strength to our faith, to bring new hope in our heart, to renew our minds, and to enlighten our eyes again, that would bring understanding and clarity to the situation that we're going through, that we wouldn't walk on in darkness and in confusion, that no longer would we have to walk day after day saying, Lord, how long have you forgotten me? Instead, I I just pray that God would stir up that mustard seed of faith to say, you know what? If God be for me, who can be against me? Nothing shall separate me from his love. Father, right now we just take time this evening to pray for our friends for June. We pray for Christy and Barb, Robert and Charlotte, Hallie and Rosie, Don and Cheryl, Connie and Bill. Lord, I pray for my other friend Connie and Linda Maggie, Sharon, and Leah, Lord, and so many others who are just walking through, each of us walking through our own valley, each of us walking through our own trials. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that we can count it all joy when we fall into various trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of our faith is producing patience. I pray right now, Lord, for healing, for encouragement. Yes, that you would heal bodies. I pray for the renewing of the mind. I pray, dear Lord, that you would anoint them with your joy once again, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, for those who are struggling in their minds mentally, just wondering, God, where are you? How much longer until we see your deliverance? 
I pray, O oh God, that you would give them encouragement to know that the battle belongs to you. Lord, reaffirm your love for them. Remind them of your promises, God, that you have not forsaken them nor abandoned them. That, Lord, you promised that you would be with us even to the very end. Lord, remind them of the promise that you gave to Joshua, Lord, that you will not leave them until you accomplish that what you have promised. And Lord, even then, we shall spend all eternity dwelling in the presence of God Almighty. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you never forget your people. Thank you that you hear the cries of your people. Lord, I think of another verse in Psalms that you hold our tears in your bottle. Lord, you write a book of remembrance for the saints, Lord, that as they speak about you, as they pray, that you are writing a book about their prayers. Thank you, Jesus, that nothing we walk through in this life is in vain. I thank you, Lord, that this is the victory that even overcomes the world, even our faith. Jesus, bless your people. Encourage your people. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you, saints of God. Thank you so much for joining with us tonight on this Wednesday. We, I do plan to continue for a season to do our Wednesdays online. I look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning at 1030. I pray that you have a wonderful week. God bless you.